sweet smell. Come on, you want to sing it. Love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. Yes, that is so true. So true. Truer words have not been sung, except for we were just singing some. So, <laughs> what the world needs now is love. That is for sure. Hal David wrote that song, but he couldn't come up with the verses. This is so interesting. I read about him. He couldn't come up with the verses. He was stuck. And so he set the song aside for like a year, year and a half, something. And he was driving into Manhattan to see his friend, Burt Bacharach. And on his way, he realized, oh, this is a song to God. This song is really our song to God. And the verse came to him, and as soon as he got to Backrack's house, he sat there and wrote out the verses, and he and Bert Backrack worked on the music. Bert was a, he, he did the instrumentation of it, instrumentation, and um, <laughs> getting points with the worship director. Um, anyway, do you know that that song, so they offered that song to Dionne Warwick to sing. She turned it down, and so Jackie DeShannon snapped it up. She was absolutely willing to sing it when they offered it to her. And that song went to the top, top seven in the Billboard charts in 1965. After Robert Kennedy was assassinated, that song played continually on the radio. People wanted to hear it all the time. What the world needs now played. And, and then that song has been used in 222, 220 films and TV shows. I mean, that song took hold, didn't it? Because the lyric of it is so true. And Nathan said to me today, it is timeless. It is so true. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It fits. We have love. We know love. The Gospel of John tells us that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus that whoever would believe in him, you know, we wouldn't perish. We'd have everlasting life. And he died on the cross for us for the forgiveness of our sins. When Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment, Lord? He recites the, out of Deuteronomy, the Shema. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And the second greatest commandment he adds is, to love, love others as you love yourself. Love is so, it's the key of who God is. It's, it is. It is God. And 1 John, uh, as, as we're going to dive into now, talks about this very, uh, this very word. So open up your Bibles with me if you'd like to 1 John 4, 7, and 11. If you're home, grab, grab your Bible off your coffee table or whatever, or just listen to it. It'll be on the screen, I think. Maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm new. Um, <laughs> 1 John 4, 7 through 11. And if you, were ever, if you ever grew up in a youth group, some of you I can see, you, you probably grew up in a youth group years ago, years ago. You know these first verses because we sang them really fast in youth group. Here it is, 1 John. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. 
Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. How do you like that word? (laughs) We'll get there. For our sins. He'd be like the payment for our sins. He would be the atoning sacrifice, the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us. Lord, your Holy Spirit, would we ask, would just pour into us that we would be able to soak in your word and understand it in a new way, experience it in a new way, see how we already know it. Lord, so brighten our hearts and our minds with the light of your love and help us to learn from you today as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, 1 John is thought to have been written by the apostle John, the son of Zebedee, And it was likely meant to circulate around to a bunch of churches. It wasn't just written to one church. Like It was probably supposed to be going around to a bunch of churches, and we are one of those churches. We are recipients of 1 John. The funny thing about these three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, is that the, uh, the writer isn't really identified. This is a deduction. If you look at John the Gospel, you'll see a lot of the same theme in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John here. Um, that the, the, so the writer isn't identified. The recipients aren't identified. There's no warm greeting or polite ending put to these letters, and yet they get right to the point. And the point is, love God. God is love. Love others because God loves us. This love isn't something we can muster up on our own. Self-giving, undeserving love comes first and only from God through his son, Jesus. Okay, here's another like little technical detail that we might want to understand as we read this letter. There was this movement of people who were called Gnostics. Think about Gnostics. It's G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S. Gnostics, or we say Gnostics. We get the word um, know, to know, knowledge, knowing. Think about the way the word know is spelled in this way, K-N-O-W, and Gnostic, G-N-O, you know, so on. So anyway, just a little detail, but here's what Gnostics believed. Believe, there's still Gnostics around today, that they have a special knowledge of spiritual wisdom, which is kind of a fancy way of saying Gnostics were know-it-alls. They thought that, they could, that you could only know God by, well, a special knowledge that they had. They couldn't wrap their heads around the idea that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, 
if you remember, God with us, that they couldn't believe that God would come in the flesh in his own son Jesus because God didn't have anything to do with the flesh. And they just couldn't think that it was possible that God's son would walk this earth. They, they thought certainly that God would have nothing to do with the flesh. And unless you had their spiritual wisdom, whoops, you didn't know nothing. I mean, you didn't have this spiritual knowledge. Teaching against that is the fact that God, in the, the, the fact that God came in the flesh is, is uh, well, teaching this Gnostic belief, John is saying this is false doctrine, this is false teaching, and this is part of what he's trying to get at in this letter that's circulated around to the churches. See, John was warning the church of this heresy, and he wanted to correct this wrong thinking, this false teaching. See, God wants us to know that he's all about love, all about it. He's the author of love. John repeats the word love 46 times in this one letter. And it may seem excessive. I mean, as you read First John, you just keep hearing this same thing and love, 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 love. And it's repetitive to say the least. And, and, and if you read through the entire letter, you'd be like, okay, I get it already. I get it, you know. But the Lord wants us to hear this important word about love and God so much and it's worth repeating. It's worth drilling down to understand and experience the depths of God's love for us and for the world. God loves the world. How do we know the Lord God? How do we know God's love? It's not about the facts you know, how spiritually smart you are, or how long you've been attending a church it's not about that. It's not about how many Bible studies you've been in or if you go to youth group or Sunday school or, you know, you're part of this fellowship team and I'm a part of the... It's not about all the things we know and we just do and keep active in. We know God's love by this simple truth that he sent his one and only son, that Jesus died on the cross for us, that God's love is unchanging, it's unwavering, it is unshakable. So if you're wondering if you are worthy of God's love, well, are, is any, are any of us worthy? But do we get the grace and God, uh, of God in it? And, it is, and his love for you, his love for all of us, his love for all of us in the world is unshakable. It's unwavering, it's unchangeable. He loves no matter what is going on with you. He loves you no matter what. He loves what, no matter what is going on in the world. He loves the world. You know, maybe you've heard this story of the farmer who put a, a weather vane on his barn that read, God is love. It must have been, you know, in metal, cool. It must have looked really great. God is love. And this curmudgeonly old guy drove by real slow one day, and saw that weather vane on top of that man's barn, that farmer's barn. And he saw the farmer out, and he stopped, and he shouted out the window, kind of obnoxious maybe. 
Do you mean to say that your God is as changeable as the wind? Kind of zinger, you know. And the farmer shook his head and replied, No, what I mean to say is that no matter which way the wind blows, God is love. I bet you anything that farmer shouted out, God loves you! So the guy rolled on. We will never be able to fully comprehend the depths of God's love for us, but we know this. Jesus, God's own son, demonstrated, demonstrated this, the greatest love for us when he, when he took on our sin. Though he was without sin, he took on our sin and the consequences of our sin, which is separation from God. We'll get into that in, in the Lenten season where we talk about how Jesus felt completely alone, completely alone at one point on that cross. He took on even the separation that we would have to bear from the one who made us. Jesus took on our sin because he loved us that much. And he made the way for us to be in right relationship with our Father in heaven when by his body and his blood he gave himself up on the cross. And it's by our relationship with Jesus, like our relationship, our ongoing conversation and life with Jesus that we know and experience God's deep love for us. There's no other way to even begin to understand God's love apart from being in relationship with Jesus. We can know about it, we can experience some of it, but, but to truly get the depths of God's love, to even begin to fathom it, it's through just being in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is saying, I want, I know you, I want you to know me. So how does his love affect us? What do we do with God's love? We're now able to love others because he first loved us. And we love in a different way than the world loves. I think, you know, we see God's love at work in people who may not say that they're followers of Jesus. I mean, God is big and God's at work, right? So we can see, oh, you know what? You may not know it, but that was the love of Jesus that caused you to do that. But, but when we... When, when we when we know Jesus, his love in our lives begins to bubble up and permeate out of us in a different sort of way, in a way that's very gracious and kind and, and forbearing. So what do we do with his love? We love one another. If God lives in us through our relationship with Jesus, we will love each other. We will love one another. Now, I know you may be thinking, you tell me to love, Lord, and I do love, but I'm having a hard time loving that person. What about that one over there? I'm struggling with that one over there. I had this fun boss one time, uh, and I was interning during seminary, and uh, we'd be meeting in our, his office uh, he was a great mentor, Steve Marsh, and, and he said, I'd be leaving his office, and he'd say, Jen, God loves you, and I'm trying. 
Isn't that good? I mean, it's honest. <laughs> God loves you. And I'm trying. <laughs> you know, when we're hurt, when we've been betrayed and wronged by someone, the last thing we believe we can do is love them. And you might even believe, I know I do at times, does that one deserve to be loved by me? Even loved by you, God? Does that one deserve it? Not until they apologize or show any kind of remorse can I love them, Lord. No, Lord, I won't love them. Even Corey Ten Boom met one of the people who took her family away to a concentration camp. And she was in that concentration camp and recognized, saw that guard, and years later, she saw that guard again. And his life had been changed. Her life, Corey Ten Boom, a follower of Jesus, her life had been changed. And she had to meet him face to face. That man was the cause of the death of her own family. She still held animosity and anger and hurt for that man. And she said, oh no, Lord, I can't love him. I don't love him. I won't love him. But God, you can. You do. You do love him. And so she met that man and shook his hand and loved him with the love of Jesus because she didn't have it in herself, but the Lord gave it to her, gave her what she needed. God says something, has something to say to us when we hold a grudge that keeps us from truly loving people who are difficult for us to love. He says to us, and this is in, this is in 1 John, Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. Look at that. Look at that. Verse 11, beloved, God calls you and me, he calls all of us, beloved. You are beloved of God. We are recipients of his love. We are not perfect. We have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God every single day. We fall short of who God has really intended for us to be. And we stand in the need of forgiveness and mercy and grace. We don't get all cleaned up and sin-free before Jesus died on the cross for us. We are God's beloved even while we are yet sinners. You know, the Apostle Paul, one of these latecomer followers of Jesus, he was a big old sinner. And after his turning to Jesus, he wrote to the church in Rome. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, God loved us in the midst of our sin. God loves us in the midst of our sinning. He loves us. And Christ died for us, Paul writes. Romans 5.8, if you're looking it up. 
Jesus died for all of us because all of us are in need. We are in desperate need of the Savior. We are in desperate need of his love. And the people that we have a hard time loving are in desperate need of the same Savior and of his love. And who are we to hold it back when it wasn't held back for us? It's not that God changed his mind about us when Christ died. It's the mind and heart of God in his love that he sent Jesus. Jesus died in our place, and that dam of sin that stood in the way in between us and the Lord was removed. And this floodgate of God's love poured out on all of humanity, on beloved sinners who are saved by God's grace, mercy, goodness. So beloved Since God loves us this much, we also ought to love one another. And when we take account of our own sin, that Jesus gave his own body and blood for us, how can we not show that same grace and mercy and forgiveness to one another? Now I know, and I want to do a little side note right here. Sometimes there's like abuses going on. And it's hard to love one who is abused another. And so there are times where we've got to process that through, and we've got to have healthy boundaries, and we have to have a real heart-to-heart talk with the Lord, maybe, maybe with, I've, I've been to counseling at times because I've needed to, like, process this through. I'm struggling, Lord, you know, so the, God says, okay, get to, I, I know a good Christian counselor, get to that counselor, whatever, you know. Talk it out, work it out, Because anyway, God calls us to love one another. So how do we love people in a healthy way? Sharing with them the free gift of God's love. Let's peek over into the verses that we're going to look at next week. Just one verse, verse 12. Verse 12 says, No one has ever seen God. God lives in us. That's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. It's being perfected in us. We're not there yet. You know, we're all works in progress. I'm a work in progress. I don't do this all really, really well. I don't have it all worked out. I, I can hold my own good grudge. I mean, you know, but... Is God working on me? Is God working on you? Is God working on us? To say, okay, how do I love, Lord? How do I love the way you love? Because we don't want to hold back God's love from people. We don't want to be those people. And his love is being perfected in us, which means we are works in progress. And Lord, I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. And Lord, you've, 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 you're healing me, you're working in me, you're helping me to love that I love a little better than I did yesterday. If we can say that, then God's love is being perfected in us. When we love one another, we're de- demonstrating God's love. When we hold back God's love from people, 
we refuse to love, then the question is, does God's love really live in us? Are we abiding in the Lord? Again, we're going to talk about abiding next week. Are we abiding in the Lord? See, Jesus satisfied the debt that we have due because of our sin. That's what that word propitiation means. I'm surprised I can even say it out loud to you right now without looking at it, but propitiation, that's, you know, Jesus satisfied the debt we have due. He's the atoning sacrifice, however you want to say it, due to our sin against God and due to the sin that we commit against one another. When we hold people hostage because they haven't paid their debt of sin well enough to my liking, when we refuse to love others, we actually hold ourselves hostage as well. So this is the question we will look into next week. How do we abide in the Lord? What's the abiding look like? What are the results of our abiding in the Lord? But I don't want to get ahead of us too, too much. Today, there are two questions I think that we are left with that, that I'll leave with us, okay? Maybe these are conversations, questions to answer on your way home or in a group. Do you believe, do you believe that God loves you this much? Have you received this love that God has for you? In, in, and it, it, he shows it, he gives it to us through his son, Jesus. Have you received this love that he gave to us through his only son, that when his son died on the cross for us, we were forgiven and freed? Do you receive his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his great? And if you struggle with that, what causes you to hesitate? What's hard about receiving God's love? Will you talk with a Christian friend about that? There are people right here in this room, maybe people that, that you know a little bit and you need to talk to about that. Maybe I can be that friend for you. I'm happy to be that friend for you. We can talk about that. And the second question is this. Who is God urging you to love? Is something holding you back from loving someone in your life? Do you need to acknowledge that there's some grudge or hurt that you're holding against someone and you're having a hard time loving them? Maybe it would help to talk with the Lord about it. Maybe it would help to talk with a trusted Christian friend about it. Maybe even a counselor. Maybe a pastor. Whoever, you, whoever the Lord puts in your path to, to process that hurt through. So that that friend could be praying with you so that you'd be freed up to love in the way that God loves you. We can love others that same way. That the Lord would break down that dam of hostility and hurt so that you can freely give God's love to others. I really, I hope we'll do this this week. Because you know, the song is true. What the world needs now is love the sweet love of Jesus. Beloved, since God loves us so much, let us love one another. May we be the people who demonstrate to the world and 
to one another this generous, forgiving, merciful love of God we find in Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you for loving us. It's not about whether we deserve your love. You just love us. And thank you, Jesus, that you freely gave your very life for us on the cross. Because of you, we are forgiven and free. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you fill us. And we ask that you live in us today in a way that we are changed, transformed, in order that we would, in our hearts, in our attitudes, and in our actions, demonstrate your love to one another. And Lord, we admit we cannot do this on our own. But because you live in us through the power of your Spirit, we can love one another. We trust you for that. Thank you for your love. We pray this, Jesus, in your name.